Hello, my gemology-loving friends. Welcome to another episode of Heirloom Academy, the podcast that discusses all things gemology, fine jewelry, and how to protect your fine jewelry collections for generations to come. I'm your host, Sherry Taylor. Have you ever wondered what it might be like to study at the Gemological Institute of America and go through the Graduate Gemologist Program, or perhaps you're going through it right now, or maybe you've gone through it and you just want to listen to some shared experiences? Well, today I'm going to be joined by Adrienne Sonigo, Graduate Gemologist, GIA, and we're going to be having a chat about our experiences studying at the Institute. Today, I welcome to the podcast Adrienne Sonigo, an award-winning GIA Graduate Gemologist who advises, educates, and lectures across several platforms, including her contributions to Rappaport Magazine, Natural Diamond Council, and the Zing Report about the correct identification and care of gems, minerals, and jewelry. Adrienne is a co-founding board member and education chair of Black and Jewelry Coalition and a member of the Women's Jewelry Association, New York Metro Chapters Diversity and Inclusion Committee. Let's welcome Adrienne to the podcast. Hi, Adrienne. Thanks for joining the podcast today. Hi, Sherry. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to do this with you today. So tell us a little bit about your background and your decision to study at GIA. What led you to choose GIA as the educational institution for your gemology studies? I felt it was important if you were going to get uh, credentials for gemology to get them from the best school, the best known school with the best credential. And GIA builds the bill for that. So that was an easy decision for me. Are there any challenges or considerations that arose before enrolling in GIA? The the cost is um, can be a bit expensive, but it's worth it for what you're getting. And so um, quality uh, does not come um, inexpensively. And so I did seek out um, outside help uh, in, in terms of grants and scholarships. My dad was a, a U.S. Marine, so there was help in that area. There's a scholarship fund there. I also applied to Women's Story Association and I saved up some of my own money. And all of those resources I was able to find on GIA's website uh, for financial aid. It's really great that they have those resources for students that are looking to study at GIA. Um, And it's great that you were able to utilize some of those. Um, Now, how did you choose to study? Did you choose your learning experience to be distance education or on campus or a little bit of both? Um, so when you do, when you pursue the graduate gemology degree um, through distance learning, you are required to take three labs um, in order to get a graduate gemology diploma. So the reason why I chose distance learning is because I was a divorced parent of two teenagers and I also worked full time. I did not have the luxury to be on campus for six months and away from my children as well because they were they were teenagers and in school so that was not an option for me so the distance learning was perfect for my situation yeah it's that's also a great option i know a lot of people that have studied that way for your lab classes you would have done those at a gia campus so tell us about the first time that you visited a gia campus and what that was like so i chose new york because it was closer to my residence i'm in philadelphia and so in order to get to the uh, New York campus, you have to walk through the Diamond District, the world, you know, world-renowned, historical, and famous Diamond District in New York City. And it was um, it was quite intimidating, even that early in the morning when I had to show up for class. 
um, people are already getting their day started or have started their day. Uh, it's a lot of activity, a lot of hustle and bustle, as you can expect in a city like New York. And then the process to get into um, the interior of the building to get to the floors, because the uh, GIA campus is housed in the Gem Tower, and 95% of, of diamonds that come through the U.S. go through that tower. So it is very heavily secured. Um, you have to do eye scans, you have to do fingerprints, and you get an ID card to um, enter and exit the building. And some people have to do x-rays, and it depends on what floor I think they're visiting. But that was not a requirement for GIA. But it is very heavy. The point is it's very heavily secured, and it speaks to the seriousness of what you're about to embark upon. I found that also. I've never been to the New York campus, but you're just reminding of me of my first experience going to, um, I studied at the Carlsbad, California campus, which I believe is their world headquarters, and just driving up through the security checkpoint and just seeing the tire spikes on the other side, you know, that pop out of the, mm. the cement if you don't, or if you try to avoid the checkpoint and just drive through, and the amount of security guards, and like you said, the checking in, and you're so right, it speaks to the seriousness of of the program and exactly what you're walking into. And I just remember feeling, you know, intimidated and um, just like, I, I just, it just feels grand. It, it, it was an amazing um, feeling to walk into. Yeah, that's a good word to describe it, grand. It is grand and it's very serious. Yes. Oh, at the Carlsbad campus, which I believe you've also visited, they have some beautiful display pieces in their front entryway. And I remember taking pictures beside the Gemological um, of in Institute of America sign. Now, studying distance education, did you have an opportunity to connect with your classmates um, during your lab classes? And what was that community like for you? I did have a, a chance to connect with one or two classmates during the three times that I was on the New York campus, and I'm still in contact with those people. And um, through some of those connections, I did meet other people. So some of the people in class already were in the jewelry industry, and they had contacts on, in the diamond district. So they um, introduced me to their contacts. So that was great to be able to, to do that and have that experience as a student. Also, um, the people are very friendly. Um, in the Diamond District when they find out that you are a GIA student. And I even went off campus um, into um, some of the grander stores, higher-end stores like Harry Winston and um, places like that to look at jewelry. Obviously, I wasn't buying anything, but once they knew I was a student, people were very friendly. And um, I want to say a bit in awe, maybe, that I that you know, I was studying at GIA because it's not a common thing. It's not as common as I thought it was. Just to hear that they were so welcoming and friendly. Yeah, so for my, when I studied in class, um, I was one of two Canadians in our class. We had maybe four Americans uh, and then the rest of our students were from various parts of the world. We would have little fun sort of community nights. I believe every Wednesday we would do Margarita Wednesday and sort of connect with that way. And we just kind of became like a close knit group. So when it came time for the 20 stone, you know, we were all really supportive of each other and it was nice to be able to bounce questions off of each other. And it's nice to be with a group that you're all kind of going through the same thing, the same stresses and where I would say probably most of the students in the class, you know, they were already in the business or had established family businesses. And often they would, you know, at the beginning of the program, they would ask, oh, like, is your family in the business? And I'd be like, no, it's not. Like, I was one of the few students in the class who didn't have it, like, sort of an established um, 
family business connection. Yeah, that is that can be. I I have found also that a lot of the people on campus um, were um, legacy or heritage uh, students, and that made up the bulk of the class. And so I was sort of an outlier. In, in all of my labs, but that was fine because you can learn from people, yes. but it also makes you more, um, I think your, um, your accomplishment, uh, is greater when you don't have that background because it's really almost your first exposure to it. If you don't have legacy or heritage in the industry. So if you can get through the program and it's your first really like entree into that, it's, that's a really big accomplishment. Was there a particular part of the course that you found to be a little extra challenging for yourself? And how did you overcome that? I know for myself, it was um, the spectrum, the spectroscope. Um, for me, I just found the, yeah. the spectroscope a little extra challenging as, as one of the tools that were used in the program. Yes, the spectroscope was very challenging for me as well. I ended up after... Um, after I graduated, I ended up getting like a bigger one. The OT, I think it's the OTL, OPL. I can't remember the name nice. of it. Um, it's, it's a Canadian brand, but I ended up getting a bigger one. Um, and then um, I'm going to say corundum, not not an instrument, but a, a specific material gave me a lot of trouble. Um, corundum is uh, very very tricky in terms of the inclusions, differentiating between. Uh, uh, heat treated and natural finger, so fingerprints. So that was something that was very challenging. And um, the microscope is what you would use, obviously, to look at those those types of characteristics. But they always gave me trouble. So sometimes it's good to, um, even though you're studying at GIA, they have the library and all. Sometimes it's good to go into the library and look at um, catalogs or books that have inclusions in them to kind of get an idea of what that looks like and look at it like again and again, memorize it, look at different angles, different pictures of stuff. Yeah, I do remember that being challenging also just with the different flux inclusions and some of them could look very similar to natural. Some of the synthetic inclusions could look very similar to some natural inclusions yeah. and vice versa. So I do remember that as well. Just in, initially when you're learning to make that distinction, it can be very frustrating and very confusing. As a graduate gemologist, the 20 stone exam is the ultimate academic achievement. So walk us through your experience with the 20 stone exam, the emotions, and were there any memorable gems that stumped you? I have a confession to make. My fiance said to me that, I, so I took the 20 stone exam three times before I passed it. And he accused me of not wanting to pass because I was enjoying the whole thing too much. <laughs> and I and I didn't I didn't want it to end. So he was like, This is ridiculous. Like you know, you know this stuff. Why are you why are you continuously failing? And again, I don't know if that's really true. It could be. It could be true that I, and I did. I enjoyed every uh, several weeks getting a new package of 20 gems to identify and, you know, go through the whole methodology. I really enjoy all of those processes. So he, I'm not going to say he was wrong, but um, <laughs> corundum is what stopped me. Like every time it was the corundum um, and it's in particular pink sapphire and ruby sometimes that would give me a problem differentiating the color because it's a very, very fine line between pink sapphire and ruby, especially when the pink sapphire can have a bit more deeper red in it. Yes. Like, mm -hmm. if it's like on the cusp. If you don't call it right, that could mean thousands of dollars in terms of value. 
intimidating. I think it was intimidating to get that wrong. And so I stumbled with that. It's so funny you say that because, um, so I wrote the t- exam twice. Um, and the mm-hmm. first, the first time, or no, sorry, I did it three times. The third time I passed, I was successful the third time. Um, the first time what the issue was, was just the one stone and it was a color call. It was uh, purple sapphire versus ruby. It was, um, mm. yeah. So very similar to your experience. And then after that, mm-hmm. I think my confidence went down. Like for me, it was, I think my confidence just shot right down and I thought, oh my goodness, like it was only one mistake and it was such a, you know, a silly one I felt. And, uh, you know, I was sort of kicking myself afterwards. And then I thought, so every, this, every stone on the second exam, I was second guessing, second guessing that second one, I ended up getting three wrong. (laughs) Yes, that can happen. And, you know, and that's just, it's not just like our industry that, or this process that it happens in. I feel like, um, this is, it's so, it's so high stress Mm -hmm. and nerve wracking. This process, people, I think uh, trivialize uh, gemology and gems in general because it's a luxury product. We don't need it, right? So people trivialize it, not understanding that this is a science and that you're basically, there's tens of thousands of dollars at risk at any one time. So as you know, you're not allowed to get like, well, I'll, I'll say this. In the distance program, it's like the last six exams have to be a hundred percent. You cannot make any mistakes in order to move forward in, in the process. So yeah, I should have prefaced. No I should have prefaced that for those who don't know. For the twenty stone exam, um, it's twenty gemstones that you have to properly identify and complete testing. Um, accurate testing for all of those gemstones with an ultimate passing grade of 100%. And if you do not reach that 100% passing grade, then you will have to take the exam again um, until you are successful. And I can't remember exactly how many um, opportunities you were given. I think at the time I did the course, it was you're allowed um, three chances, um, but I don't know if that's mm. changed. I don't know if that's changed since, but um, but that was what it was. So when I went to write my third exam, so picture this, my... I, being Canadian, I'm from Canada. So, um, I had to move out there, buy furniture, get an apartment. So my dad had flown in for, um, our graduation, which was supposed to be happening if you were successful with the exam the next week. Um, and so we had packed up my apartment, we'd given away all my furniture, um, to the local church and we had sort of packed up all my stuff. I was ready to, you know, almost leave still having not been successful with my third attempt. And so I went into ultimate panic mode. I remember one night my dad was staying at a hotel close by and I just freaked out because I thought, oh my gosh, if I don't pass this last time, I just, you know, there's so much money on the line and, you know, and it just like, there was just so much on the line. My flights were booked to come home and I just had this, um, major panic attack. I called my dad and I was like, I think I'm having a heart attack, but yeah, it's interesting sharing the experience of the 20 stone exam because every gemologist I talk to, they have, they have a story. (laughs) Yes, it is very, um, it is so, it's so nerve wracking. I have, so I was mentoring someone in um, the UK and she was uh, an attorney or a solicitor as they call them there and she wanted to switch careers and and I was you know mentoring her through that and um, she went through the process and then she said this was as difficult as getting her degree in law wow yeah 
Yeah, she said that. So, um, you know, I, I that was very interesting um, to hear something like that. It is very difficult. And that was a confirmation for me because I'm like, maybe, you know, I'm older. So I went when I was older. I started this process when I was over 50 years old. So for me, you know, going back to school after all that time, that was very challenging for me. And I had other things going on as well. So... I thought maybe at one point with the diamond lab, I'm like, I, I think I'm over my head. Like, I don't think I belong here. For the first two days, two or three days, I want to say, I thought I had really made a mistake. I'm like, mm, maybe this is not for me. Like, I probably don't belong here. But then everything started to, to click into place. And I've heard other people say that about the labs, like people who do distance and then they do um, the labs. I've heard other people say that. So it was a common experience for people, especially if you weren't already working in the industry. I can imagine it would be fairly common for sure just to have those doubts. It's a brand new um, science that you're learning, a very difficult one. So it's completely normal reaction. Now, with that said, that it is, you know, a difficult examination and course, what was it like the moment that you found out you were successful with the 20 stone exam and ultimately graduating? (laughs) What was that like? Oh, my God. So my instructor at one point, um, and I don't know if you want to include this, Sherry, and you can you can edit it. Um, while I was studying to get my graduate gemology degree, I had um, I was also fighting cancer. I had treatment, and then I had to have a surgery the year after a major surgery. So, for those who don't know, um, gemology obviously you use your eyes a lot for gemology, um, and they're a very critical tool in the process and when you're not feeling well it impacts your eyesight and they tell you that during the course Mm. the instructors will tell you that so I was having trouble at at one point my instructors actually reached out to me emailed me and said to me is everything okay with you because you're making mistakes that you should not be making at this point in your studies so I had to regroup myself and so the last time I submitted my um my 20 stone for those that don't know, you have to mail them in. So this is a mail process. So oh. They mail you the twenty stones by FedEx, and then you get them, and then you do your, you know, you do your methodology, you identify the material, and then you mail them back. And so all that time in between, there's travel time. So this is California, right? I'm in on the East Coast, California. California's on the West Coast, and it's ground shipping, I believe. So it, it could take up to two weeks sometimes for them to even grade your um, stones, depending on how many students they have in their roster and then in, in all kinds of factors. So this, so I got a call. I see that, that my um, instructor is calling because he shows up uh, caller ID on my phone. I'm like, oh, you're going to tell me again. Like, <laughs> oh, you, you didn't pass. And so I picked up the phone and I'm like, hi, how are you? And he was like, um, I don't even remember what he said, but when he said to me, I, I'm calling to let you know that you passed, I screamed in the poor man's ear. I'm screaming and hollering. I was like, you would have thought I won the lottery. It felt like that because <laughs> this was such a challenging experience for me, and it has failed that many times, the 20-stone exam, on things that I really should not have failed on, but I did. And so to finally get over that hurdle, it was a feeling that I, I, I really can't even describe it, except that it was amazing. I mean, I screamed in the stance here. 
Oh my gosh. I didn't know that that would be horrible having to wait that long. I didn't know that that's how that worked for the distance education. I thought maybe you would write the, the 20 stone in person and then find out that afternoon. Cause on campus we would write it and then, um, you know, you would go out of the classroom once you were finished and then you just sort of hang around on campus until Mm -hmm. everyone was done and then they would grade it and then we would all find out that afternoon so at least i only had to wait like you know a couple hours but to wait weeks oh my gosh (laughs) yes and yeah i remember that also being on campus for the lab it was the same thing you know you um you know, you took the exam and then they have to grade it. And then they come, when you come back in the room, there's this gray envelope, you know, either I think it has a certificate in it or a diploma certificate or a, um, a letter saying you did not pass. And thank God I passed the labs every time because it's expensive. California and New York are equally expensive. I don't know which one is more expensive. And at one point my hotel cost for the week for what for my diamond lab because I had to do it in December there was no other time no other opening it was more than the course wow yeah wow it was more than the course yeah it was very very expensive I mean I'm talking about the hotel room oh for sure yeah I know even just um well Back when I stayed in California, I rented an apartment, but um, luckily when you're staying on campus, because they don't have any residence for students, or at least they didn't at that time, there were local people that would put their names into the GIA for um, rental opportunities. If you wanted to rent a room in someone's condo, um, there was that option. And so I did rent my own apartment for the first half of the course. And then that was actually broken into contacted the, the front desk or the school administration. And I had asked if there was anyone locally that was on that list. And so I ended up contacting someone and, and she invited me to live in with her in her condo. Um, and, um, it was a lady, she loved to travel. And so she loved having someone there to, to sort of watch over her home and her cat while she would would travel occasionally oh, nice. and so it, it worked out nicely yeah she lived on um a t- little tennis club the low costa tennis club so there there was like a nice community pool and it was just like a nice quiet safe environment so there are options like that for students who are looking to stay um and the rates are affordable obviously because you are living with someone else with and you know sort of sharing their home with them so there are those options for for those who would like to stay on campus oh that's good to know yeah, yeah. now i remember you posting on instagram about your graduation and uh, what was that like for you and what was the most memorable about that experience because i know i remember I remember texting you and saying, make sure you take lots of pictures because my graduation pictures um, have been missing for the last, I want to say, 10 years. I've looked everywhere for them. I've asked my mom to tear the house apart at her place and and look for them, and I can't find them. So I'm so sad that I don't have those those photos. So that's why I messaged you and I was like, make sure you take lots of pictures. (laughs) Mm. Yeah, that was... um... I I wanted to have that experience. It, this was such a special experience for me to get this diploma. And typically, distance learners, there's no ceremony. And I did ask permission to, you can only do it in Carlsbad um, because of education requirements are state-run. 
so each state has different requirements. And so I was not able to do it in New York, which would have been better for me, you know, logistically and, and cost-wise. So I did have to fly out to California. And um, I did not know that my instructor would be there, and he showed up to give me my diploma. So that was like the cherry on top for me. Oh. That was a, such an amazing experience. And people took pictures um, for me. So I do have pictures of that. And they had a nice ceremony. They had cake and um, and punch. And people's families were there. And um, people, the, the students, even though I did not, um, I was not in their class, obviously, they were still welcoming to me. Even, you know, they knew I was there um, because I wanted to have that experience. Oh, I love that. That's so great that you did that for yourself. Yeah, that was, um, that was really, really um, exciting to be able to do that. Any advice that you have for someone looking into taking the graduate gemologist program? And how can they make the most out of their experience? Um, so if I had to do it all over again, I would have, while I was studying, and even before, because sometimes you don't get to enroll when you want to because it fills up quite quickly, I would start reaching out, making contacts. If you're not someone who has legacy or heritage like you and I were, I would do that, that work first. I would um, make contacts with people, tell them what I'm doing, um, let them know when I would, you know, when I'll be studying, maybe I can stop by their businesses or we can have a coffee or whatever. I would have done more of that, more networking before, during, and, and before and during the time I was studying because that's very important in our industry. So I didn't do that. And so I had to build these relationships after I graduated, which has been um, challenging and slow at first, but now that I've uh, put myself out there more and I'm very aggressive, um, I've, I have a lot of contacts now, but I had to learn the hard way that I should have done that work beforehand, before graduating. That's a great suggestion for students because, like you said, those connections could mean future job um, opportunities, especially if you're studying within your own country of residence and, you know, looking to make connections and then ultimately get a, a job after the fact. I know with the career fair um, that we had on campus, um, you know, I, I visited the career fair, but being a Canadian um, didn't really pursue making any connections there um, because I wasn't planning to work in the U.S. at the time. So, um, but I think someone who was from the U.S. perhaps studying at that campus, um, making those connections, as you suggested, would have become very important, especially if they did not have a family business, like you mentioned, uh, to sort of get those opportunities and that network growing, because you're right, that's so important in this in this industry. Yes, it is. And so that would, that would be something that I would have done differently um, if I had to do it over again. Now, since graduating, what would you say your proudest professional achievement has been so far? It's not. It's not one though. Um, uh, I am a co-founder of Black and Jewelry Coalition, and we uh, formed in 2020. And I am the education chair, and part of my duties are providing access and opportunities for people to pursue education in the industry. Um, for people who may not have known that this was a career path for them or had an interest in it for a long time and didn't see a way for themselves to be able to fulfill it. So I'm very happy that I'm able to put together programs and design scholarships with, um, with our partners. So that's been a big, um, a 
big proud um, moment for me, a big achievement for me, um, the biggest achievement. And and then the other one, which I don't want to call it, I don't want to say it's not big because it actually is, but it's important in a different way. Um, I thought that I wanted to be um, someone who was at a laboratory with a big pile of gems and jewelry, and I was just going to be identifying things like a, like an assembly line. <laughs> That's how I thought I was going to be a gemologist. And, I, and, and you know, actually, I wouldn't mind doing that because I love gems and jewelry so much. So that's, that's something I, you know, I would love to do. But it turns out that it appears that my role is educating the public about gems and jewelry through different formats. So I do use Instagram, I use social media a lot to educate the public about gems and jewelry, but I also write for uh, several industry publications and I'm able to reach so many more people through that writing and the contributorship that I do with those publications that that's not something I even thought was on, was available for me. And I have to thank the people who have uh, allowed me to share my knowledge uh, through their uh, through their publication. And you are a very talented writer, and so I'm so happy that you are writing for a lot of those industry publications because I really enjoy reading your articles. For anyone who um, is looking f- to read some of those articles, you can check out Adrienne's uh, Instagram and, and the links that she's provided there for her latest articles. Well, I really enjoyed this podcast today. It kind of tripped down memory lane for me anyways, memories of studying um, back at GIA. But let everyone know where they can find you on social if they'd like to give you a follow. So on social media, I am at um, Adrian Sonigo. I'm sorry, social media. I'm sorry, Instagram, because that's really the one that I use the most. And LinkedIn, it's my name. And it is spelled A-D-R-I-A-N-N-E-S like sugar, A-N like Nancy O. G-O. Adrian Sonigo is my handle for LinkedIn and Instagram. And I do also have a link tree. So my website is my name as well. You can click on my website. All of my articles that have been published are there housed on one page. Um, the things that I do in the community and in the industry are also there. If you want to take a look at um, what I'm doing next or what I have done. Uh, those things are there. And I hope that they inspire you to go out and do something amazing and something that you didn't think you would be able to do because that's what I'm doing, something I never thought I'd be able to do. Oh, I love it. So I'm going to see if I can put some of those links in the show description uh, when I publish the podcast so that it makes it easy for everyone. And thank you so much, Adrian. It's always so lovely chatting with you. And I loved following along your journey of studying at the GIA. And thanks for sharing your experience with everybody. And thank you, Sherry, because you've been a wonderful mentor to me in the beginning when I first started my studies. You were very kind and generous with your expertise and and your support. So I would like to thank you also. I've never forgotten that. Oh, well, I'm so happy we were able to connect through the community. And all right. Well, thanks, Adrienne. Have a great day. Adrienne is such an inspiration. It was such a pleasure having her on the podcast, and it is a pleasure to know her. I am so glad that she is so honest about her experience. This really was a well-rounded episode full of all the exciting experiences studying at GIA combined with the challenges and the hardships and ultimately success at the end of the day. So a beautiful reminder to never give up on your dreams, no matter what they are. If you're someone considering studying at GIA or you are already a student or perhaps you are an alumni and maybe you even went to school with us, 
send us a message through Instagram. Adrian and I both love connecting and talking to other industry professionals and people interested in gemology. That concludes this episode. If you happen to catch our previous episode on Are You Sentimental with Your Fine Jewelry Collections, where I share tips on how to better organize and document your collections at home, I have created a tool with my amazing assistant, Carissa. It's designed as a template to prompt you to put in the information that many families wish that they kept track of in regards to their fine jewelry collections. I'm going to put the link in the description notes, and I hope you get your copy and start documenting and organizing your fine jewelry collections. Have fun with it. Share it with your friends and family. Future generations will thank you. That's all for today's episode. Until next time.